Electric Soil Podcast. Imagination is the electric soil of creation. All right, welcome back to Electric Soil Podcast. My guest today is Constanza Roeder. She is the founder and CEO of Hearts Need Art, creative support for patients and caregivers, a nonprofit organization based out of San Antonio, Texas. Her experience as an adolescent leukemia survivor transformed into a calling to create a world where everyone can experience the moments of joy, self-expression, and connection while facing life-altering health challenges. She now speaks, writes, and empowers others to reframe and reclaim the healing power of their own creativity and is on a mission to humanize healthcare through the arts. She was also the recipient of a 2018 Graysander Humanitarian Award and was selected as one of the top 100 healthcare visionaries by the International Forum on the Advancements in Healthcare for 2021. Her work has been featured in various publications such as Thrive Global, Authority Magazine, Ticker News, National Association of Teachers of Singing, and has even graced the cover of MD News Magazine. In her spare time, she crochets like an old lady, her words, not mine, is dancing and singing every chance she gets, indulges in way too much long-form television, and loves hiking with her husband, Jeff, and her dog, Gabby. So my guest today, Constanza Roeder. Constanza, how are you today? I'm doing great. I'm so happy to be here. I am happy that you are here. Lots to talk about. Uh, yeah. you know, obviously, uh, going through your bio there, just some fantastic stuff going on. Like, man, you the recipient of Humanitarian Award, Top 100 Healthcare Visionaries. Like, man, you got a lot of great stuff going on. So let's... Uh, Let's get into it, shall we? Sure. Let's go for it. Okay. Well, let's just start from the beginning. Uh, obviously, your journey uh, seemed to have started with a, you know, your diagnosis of leukemia when you were an adolescent. So how old were you when that happened? And just explain how you came out of that experience into what you're doing today. Mm. Yeah. So I grew up in Santa Cruz, California, and I was diagnosed with leukemia when I was 13 years old. And um, I had 130 weeks of chemotherapy, and I but I've been cancer-free ever since. So oh, that's awesome. I'm a 21-year survivor of leukemia, awesome. uh, which I'm very grateful for. But as you can imagine, that experience came with a lot of uh, trauma and emotions and just all kinds of, um, of experiences that I had, I've spent, I've had to spend the rest of my life trying to process and figure out how to, where to put and how, how it all connects with, with my story. Uh, and one of the most important pieces throughout that experience, um, was the arts or were the arts. I, I came from a really musical family. So music was always prevalent in our house growing up. And so when we were in the hospital, that just was normal for us to sing to each other. And music, because it's such a whole-brained um, activity, it, 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 it lights up the whole brain when, when we're singing and performing, when we're listening to music. It imprinted truths on our hearts in ways that just mere words couldn't. So when we were afraid, when we were um, felt lonely, when we were scared, um, we would sing. And that, you know, it's it's the difference between you know saying I love you to someone and singing I love you to someone. It's a whole other level. And uh, so that was a really important way that our family stayed together and supported each other through that experience. And then after treatment, I a lot of people think like, oh, when cancer survivors are done with treatment. It's like really exciting because you're done. Yay. And whatever. It's like not, that's not usually how it is. Okay. Yeah. Um, for, for a lot of people, it's, that's when the crash happens. So for me, that was, um, you know, about a year of really deep depression because mm. my whole world and innocence and childhood had, had shattered and been taken away from me in a lot of ways. And mm. I had lost a lot of friends who had cancer. I mean, I had dozens of friends that I knew that died um, before I was even 16 years old. I had, there was a lot of death and loss that I experienced and I didn't really have the tools to, to express that and, and process that. 
And most people don't, like a lot of people don't, <laughs> you kind of have to learn the tools once you get there sometimes. But, but for me, one of the powerful tools again, um, was the arts and that's kind of where visual arts and dance came in even because we encode traumatic memories in the visual center of our brain. It sometimes bypasses the verbal part of our brain. So we can't always verbalize at least initially traumatic experiences we've been through, but we can externalize them, which is really important, like to kind of express them, get them out um, through visuals, through sound, through um, movement. And that's really what I found. And um, so that experience was really important for me. And I was, I'm really grateful that it was introduced to me by a group in my hometown called Jacob's Heart. Shout out to Jacob's Heart. Mm. They're an organization that um, supported families with kids with cancer and they had a group for teens and young adults who had cancer and we would get together and do art. And that's how we would express ourselves and share our stories and kind of come out of the isolation that so often comes with um, a traumatic experience because it can feel really isolating. Like only, like only I'm going through this, but there was a really profound way that we were able to share our stories through the arts so anyway, all that to say, like, that was a really formative experience for me. And mm-hmm. I went on to study music and psychology in school and college. And um, then I got married and moved to San Antonio, Texas. Classic love story. <laughs> um, and um, once I got here, I started volunteering on an adult oncology unit. And I'd never been in an adult hospital before, much less an adult oncology unit. And I was... I was really shocked really by the difference between Mm. the environment, that environment compared to the environment I was in as a pediatric patient. Mm. So even though I was a, I was a teen, like I was in a pediatric hospital where there was art and there was activities and there was all these people coming around and wanted to like do things with you. And like, you were never bored. (laughs) Sometimes you're like, go away. Yeah. Right. Um, but here there were, there were, you know, people I worked with that weren't much older than I was when I finished treatment that were living for weeks and months at a time on the oncology unit and couldn't go outside, couldn't leave the unit. Their the walls were pretty bare. There were no activities. Like it just was like, this is not an, this is not a healing environment. Sure. And this isn't like a knock on the hospital where I was working. It's kind of standard of care. And that's, you know, we have a lot of aging infrastructure um, in our healthcare system. So anyway, but I knew that um, healthcare didn't have to look like that. And so it, I started going room to room and singing for patients. Oh, and cool. that's where it all started was kind of that full circle of giving back what was given to me. And, you know, my patients were... I mean, grateful to the point of tears. I mean, just so much, um, so many beautiful connections and interactions that happened through that. But they made it very clear to me that while they really appreciated me being there once a week singing, that they needed more and they wanted something every day and they <laughs> wanted visual arts and writing and all these things that I didn't really know how to how to do. So, okay. um, so in 2016, I incorporated Hearts Need Art as a nonprofit here in San Antonio, Texas. And we hired our first visual artist a month later and um, we've grown from there. And you know, the rest is, we're about to turn five years old. Ah, so, so cool. very proud of us. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, congrats on that. That's a good run and makes you wonder, like just listening to your story, thanks for sharing. Like, just makes you wonder how things might've been different if you had been diagnosed later on, you know, in that age group that where you were exposed to just sort of that, mm. you know what I mean? That more bleak, I guess, you know, less um, artistic sort of uh, healthcare system, like how things would might have been different, or or would you mm. still have that same inkling to be like, well, especially because you grew up in an environment where there was that singing to begin with. I was going to ask you about mm. that. You know, maybe you still would have been able to sort of shine through with that. But yeah, it's, it's just uh, it's it's quite the story because had you not gone through what you'd gone through at your age, you might not have been able to you know, transfer it quite in the way that you have by the sounds of it, mm-hmm. right? So pretty, uh, very interesting story. So obviously, and it's, it's cool that you continued on with uh, learning music into your adulthood as well. Like, yeah, you know, oh, yeah. Uh, mixing that with like psychology and everything else, pretty, uh, pretty unique uh, skill set, you know, kind of from both sides of the the brain almost, right? Which is, and I like what you brought up the whole, uh, the whole 
whole brain uh, aspect of music and, and art. Oh, yeah. Uh, what other kind of things can you mention as far as, because I, I think we're, you and I are both on the same page. We were kind of talking about in the, the little pre-interview we did as far as uh, like a health and wellness uh, regimen that we're talking about. You know, there's exercise and nutrition and people are talking about this, but obviously you're championing, you know, creativity and the arts as, you know, right up there with, with exercise. And what kind of parallels, if at all, or what else can you tell us about the uh, mental and, and physical health benefits of creativity? <laughs> Matt, this is a huge question. <laughs> and this is like a huge like rabbit hole that you can mm. go down. And um, there, I just before I get into it, I'm just going to rattle off a few different resources if people do want to like mm. look into this Please and do. kind of go down the route of a hole. Um, the first I'd recommend is to go and check out um, the National Organization for Arts and Health. It's the, the NOAA.net um, N-O-A-H-M.net and uh, they have a resource page and there's all kinds of really great resources on there. But the World Health Report recently um, put out a report looking at um, the application and impact of arts and health around the world. And it's a whole report detailing different places it's um, it's applied, um, ways they recommend it being applied to promote health um, behaviors and to support people that are dealing with serious illness and all that kind of stuff. So that's one. The other one I recommend is um, the Center for, excuse me, the Center for Arts and Medicine, uh, University of Florida, they have a, res a research database that they keep pretty up to date. And you can, it has like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of scholarly articles about arts and health. Cool. And you can search it by keyword terms. So I will just preface that by Beautiful. like, there's no way I can cover this all in sure. like a couple of that. minutes. But, um, but I, so one thing I'll start with is, um, there is a lot, like I said, there's a lot of research coming out of the field and, um, a, a lot of the stuff coming out is coming out of the UK. Mm. So in, in the United Kingdom, are you familiar with the cohort st studies that they do? No, I'm not actually, no. So what they, what they've done is, um, uh, they take all the babies born within a particular week and they offer all of them to enroll in a longitudinal lifelong study. Okay. And um, so they get a huge sample set and then they gather millions of data points on them throughout their life. And then they make that data available to researchers and they mine the data. They're looking for different social determinants of health, um, all kinds of different aspects of health. Uh, and then they form their healthcare system around the results of that of that research. Wow. It makes sense, right? So cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so a few years, there are some researchers that started looking at if to see if there was a link between arts and cultural engagement and health and well-being. And one of those re researchers is Daisy Fancourt. She's doing some amazing work over there. So that's another rabbit hole to go down <laughs> is Daisy Fancourt's work. Um, but anyway, so for, and they found that it does have a profound impact. So just for like one little example. So one of the one of the studies that she did was looking at the impact of exercise um, or looking at different uh, different things that impacted the development of chronic pain later in life. Like what are things that help to minimize the development of chronic pain? Okay, so we're, we're told all the time, move it or lose it. Like exercise, hugely important, right? Totally. But then she also, like in that same study, was looking at the role that arts and cultural engagement had on the development of chronic pain because we know from other literature that arts arts engagement helps to reduce pain levels, improve it, um, reduce anxiety, depressive symptoms, um, helps to increase social connectivity. So there's like all these things that you know that are around pain and things that contribute to pain. So they added that to the study and they they did indeed find that regular weekly moderate to vigorous exercise had about a 26% um, decrease in the incident of developing chronic pain later in life. Mm. But what they also found was that once a month, arts and cultural engagement reduced the chance of developing chronic pain later in life by 25%. Wow. Crazy. So, wow. Like as if once a month engaging in cultural and arts activities had that level of different, like over the lifespan, had that, wow. had the, had the 
almost the same level of impact as regular exercise. That's unreal. So that's just one example of some of the the stuff that came out of the studies that they've done. So in the UK, they overhauled kind of their whole, well, not overhauled, they've, they've added a, an amazing program called social prescribing. So they um, now when patients come into a general practitioner, that general practitioner can then say, hey, you know what? I feel like some of the stuff that's happening is due to like social isolation or like mental health challenges or things like that. So um, they'll prescribe them to go see a link worker who will talk with them and see like what kind of interest they might have. And then they'll connect them to a local choir or a ceramics group so or cool. a bowling league. Like there's, there's wow. rec, there's rec things in there as well. And the health system pays for that. Wow. And even with the additional cost of them paying for people to do arts activities, mm. it's overall lowering the cost of care sure, at the sure. general practitioner level. That is unreal. Um, that is so cool. Yeah. So social prescribing is starting to be piloted um, in the United States, actually, in Massachusetts, they're, 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 some of those same researchers are coming to the United States to see what could social prescribing look like in the United States. Um, so that's kind of the level of impact that, like, <laughs> that we know arts has and ways that it's potentially affecting policy in our healthcare moving forward. Man, that is incredible. I haven't heard of that, that uh, term. That's such a, such a progressive idea and it's so cool <laughs> that they're actually you know putting some weight into it to the point that they're you know looking that forward ahead and that you're actually reducing the costs by doing this and and man just that's so cool and so um exciting that that's actually you yeah know, getting to that that stage of the game i'm sure somebody like you that's uh you know you've been seriously <laughs> very very much doing this for five years plus like let's face it you've been more or less doing this uh, probably since you've been about 13 then really so <laughs> yeah. for you to uh this must that must just you know tickle you pretty, pretty good. The fact that oh, it's coming to like that. Eh? So cool. So cool. It's, Thanks for sharing that. Of course. Yeah. It's, it's quite the, yes, it's, Very. it's for me, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, sometimes I feel like I'm the duh police. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. engage in the arts makes us feel better. Right. Like listening to music makes us feel better. And like, yep. so like, why wouldn't we have them in the places where we're trying to make people feel feel better and this is something that's been part of hum humanity and cultures or throughout history and around the world and has been part of healing practices and cultures and his like throughout history and yet in our enlightened state we like kicked the arts out of healthcare right. and then now it's all coming back full circle and it's just like brilliant so yeah, yeah you're just like, like yeah. yay yeah. welcome back exactly right <laughs> so cool so cool yeah i want to get a little bit into your your, your singing specifically because obviously that's a big part of uh part of what you do do you now do you this is gonna be a little bit funner obviously uh do you <laughs> sure. do you kind of come up with like do you kind of just come up with stuff on the fly i'm picturing you uh just kind of walking into a room and and being able to kind of connect what's happening with somebody and turning it into song like do you kind of go like musical theater on these kind or do you have, <laughs> do you, or do you have specific songs for specific instances that you're going to bring to the table just kind of curious like if, if singing sure. if you're just so like you know qu kind of quick to to break out a tune what's uh, how do you go about picking a song or are you more about improv oh, that's a really great question um so there we try to design all of our activities to be um, to be participant led. So cool. we want the we want our participant to make choices throughout the whole process. So that okay. um, that gives that, that kind of helps to return a sense of agency to them because mm. a lot of times in the hospital we really kind of lose a sense of control. Mm. Um, so that that starts that sense of agency starts um, with with saying yes or no to even having us come in the room and work with them. Fair enough. So having that, getting a no from a patient is a win because we just gave them a choice. We gave them something that they could say no to that day. Um, so that's like, that's never a bad thing. We're, we're always happy to be kicked out of rooms. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, when we do go in and work with patients, um, we we work on recruiting music so musicians specifically uh, that have a really wide range of styles and mm. types of music that they can play um because we want to connect with people on with some with something that's familiar um with music that um 
is meaningful to them. So, you know, you might go in one room and they want, um, they want oldies. You might go in the next room and they want, um, country. You want go in the next room and they want, um, opera, like (laughs) they want classical music. So we kind of have to have a, a wide range of what we can do. And, um, so in that way, we try to really remain flexible. But as far as like original music, there has, I have written personally, I have written um, some original music based on experiences and um, interactions I've had with patients in the hospital. You know, my, my mom always says like, there's a song for everything, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, but sometimes like when I couldn't find a song for something, I was like, all right, well, I guess I have to write the song for this. <laughs> um, and Anyway, so it, that's been um, a really fun and powerful way that um, I've been able to connect with patients because often we've like co-written songs together. Like we, so cool. we, there was this patient once, yeah. um, she was in the hospital for I think like 98 days straight. Mm. And um, on day like 75, I went in her room and she's like, there needs to be a song about hospital food. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> what are the lyrics? Oh my goodness! And yeah, <laughs> it just was this this diatribe of 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 just how awful hospital food was. But then oh. that was really it was really funny, and then that right. was um, really therapeutic for her. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we so we've we've done a, a little bit of that's cool. A little bit of that too. That's amazing. Well, that's just, I, you were kind of talking about uh, sort of the beginning of the interview. I, I really liked what you were touching on. Let's, I'd like to talk about it a little bit more here is the uh, just the ability that art has to express something that, let's face it, a lot of people might not be able to articulate verbally or might be nervous about articulating verbally, right? It's mm. some pretty deep feelings that you can, it's almost like an alternate path for you to be able to express them and still have them come out, mm-hmm. but not be as vulnerable, I guess, because there could be a little bit of amb- ambiguity or, you know, personal taste as far as that your presentation goes versus just straight up saying verbally, Hey, I'm afraid of, or Hey, I'm, I'm mm. feeling quite sh- sh- shameful or however, you know, whatever complex feelings do come up with some of these conditions that I can only imagine. Right. So it's uh and music I've always thought is sort of like the most empathetic of, of most art forms. I, I think I'm par- partial cause I'm a musician myself, but just the fact that you mm. can, you know, you hear blues music and generally speaking, you would think it's, it's, it's depressing or whatnot, but in fact, it's all often the opposite because you're, you're hearing somebody that feels like you and now you don't feel alone. So it's almost uplifting mm. in that sense. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about that. Like with, with art, I, I really like how you touched on that and I'm sure you can articulate it uh, better than me, but it's just as far as like, you're able to express yourself in a sort of a safer zone and in a way that maybe doesn't have to feel as vulnerable, like whether it's through mm. a painting or through uh, creative writing or whatever it may be. Are you finding that with uh, some of the folks that you're working with at the hospitals? Sure. And it's kind of a double-edged sword too, mm. because art make like creating art and engaging with your creativity is in itself kind of a vulnerable act. True. And it's true. one of the reasons why a lot of people stay away from the arts you know Mm. so the the first the first thing that most people say when we offer them um you know arts engagement not just like listening to music but actively doing something is like oh i'm not an artist or oh i'm not a writer i'm not a fill in the blank right and when i you know i'll ask them like why you know why do you say that and every single time they have a story of wounding around their creativity sure where a teacher said that their their dog looked like a hippo or mm. <laughs> their choir teacher was like, just mouth the words right. so you don't make everyone else sound bad or their their dad made fun of their dance moves or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah. Like I could see everyone kind of, yeah. yeah, everyone kind of had that story and generally around, you know, somewhere in an elementary age maybe. Sure. Uh, and then they just shut it down. And they're like, okay, well, I guess I can't do that. So I'm not going to do that because when I do that, I get attacked. Right. And it's really, I'm an, I'm a arts educator as well. So I'm a music teacher as well. And I have so many, I've had so many kids throughout the years come through my studio that have been told that they're tone deaf, that they can't sing, that I teach them how to sing. It's like, just because, just because a teacher doesn't know how to 
teach you how to sing doesn't mean you can't sing. Like right. if you can speak, like you can learn how to sing. Right. Um, and so there's there's some breaking down of the myths around arts and creativity and expressive expressivity that we have to kind of get through um, in order to kind of create a safe environment for people to um, feel safe enough to to use their own expression and to use their own creativity. Um, but then, yes, once they get in front of that canvas or in front of that piece of paper or whatever it is, it can be this, it's this safe container now because that that piece of paper doesn't have any feelings. It's not going to talk back. It can just contain whatever it is you want to vomit onto it. Mm. And uh, so that can be obviously a very cathartic experience because we're now just externalizing in some way um, internal realities about ourselves externally. And then we have con some control over it. And then we can control, we can decide what we want to do with it. Do we want to um, talk about it with a loved one and kind of use that as a way to connect with them and share more deeply about what's going on inside of me? Am I going to Am I going to throw it away and never show anyone? Because I just needed to get that out. Right. Am I going to? Am I going to then write about it and and you know connecting it back with with spoken word is actually really important because then it helps to kind of reconnect the the hemispheres of the brain and mm. and help you have a more integrated um, narrative, which mm. is really important for kind of trauma recovery. Um. So. So yes, it can be, it can feel less vulnerable than just saying something out loud because sometimes we're afraid to even admit it to ourselves what mm. we're really feeling. But sure. man, when you start, when you pick up a, a, a crayon or a marker or whatever it is, and you just start going like without even trying to like make something look good. If you just like, whatever the, your instinct is, letting your subconscious kind of take over, like using your your non-dominant hands to create something. Right. <laughs> um, it helps to kind of access that, that subconscious part of, part of us that, that, sometimes needs to like come to the surface and be like, Hey, this is what's going on down here. Right. <laughs> what are we going to do about this? Yeah. Um, anyway, so then when it's externalized, it has less power over us. Yeah. No, fascinating. No, it's a good point that you brought up. I'm glad you started sort of the prefacing the fact that, yes, yeah, so there's so many people that do get told at an early age and all it takes is that one little dismissive comment like I, you're not a poet or you can't sing yeah and it's, it's so funny because i always I, I i like to make the comparison uh you know the the, the like artistic uh in, endeavors versus sports whereas with, with sports you're almost like browbeaten into continuing on whereas with art it's kind of like you say you have that one comment it's just cut off yes. altogether, right isn't it strange i know it's, so, it's so dumb right it's like we it's like we don't take kids <laughs> when they're like slower at reading that oh yeah you, you're not just, a reader this just isn't right? for you <laughs> right Could you no imagine? we put them in like yeah. right like <laughs> we put them in remedial classes and yep. then like we figure out where they are and we help them move forward it's like Completely. we that like the arts are such an essential part of human nature like human experience that we have to stop divorcing people from their creativity Completely. and saying and and putting it just in the realm of professionals like oh like only if you have talent quote unquote are is. you allowed to do art otherwise it's yeah. superfluous and and you know a waste of time completely it's always like the gifted people quote unquote they've been right. touched by god and they, they they were born that way with for singing or whatnot i'm like well no right. there's a lot of hard no. work behind it too right it's just they didn't <laughs> at quit, some point right exactly. christina aguilera did not come out of the womb singing all those riffs at some point exactly. she had to develop the motor pathways yep. by practicing it completely. in order to do that so completely just funny how how different genres of activities get uh, you know treated <laughs> differently know. as well but I, I like what you're saying. Yeah, you kind of break down some of the myths and uh, you're, I guess you're all about uh, reframing. So this is a good part to kind of pivot into that. I really like the phrase in your bio to say reframing and reclaiming. So mm -hmm. what, what, uh, what, better, what better kind of t time in the interview to touch on that? So what do you mean by like reframing and reclaiming the healing power of their own creativity? So we've mm -hmm. kind of touched on it. What is that? I love that phrase. I love the wording of it. So what, do, <laughs> what does that mean to you? Obviously, it meant uh, enough for you to word it as such to, and, you know, have it in your bio there. So what, what can you say sure. about reframing and reclaiming? Sure. I mean, a lot of it kind of is what I, what I just mentioned is kind of, we kind of have this, um, negative view toward our, our creativity. Um, and again, that, that 
reframing that needs to happen of kind of redemocratizing the arts, like that it's kind of gone into this elite. Um, yeah. Um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, outcome focused mm. activity instead of process focused. Oh, so kind of reframing it from outcome based to process based and helping people reclaim um because everyone has a right to their own voice, mm. their own mark making, their own movement. Um, this is these are fundamental parts of who we are, and um, so it's. I just love encouraging people to kind of come out of their silence and kind of reclaim their own voices again. Totally, that's brilliant. It's a good way to kind of surmise it at the end there. So I mean, when you're talking, when you, uh, uh, how does reframing come up when you're talking about, even with conditions, like obviously there was a degree of reframing that you had to do when you're going through, you know, you're, you're 13 and you get this diagnosis and 130 weeks of chemo. So reframing is a big part of dealing with a condition as well. Uh, what can you say about, uh, you know, strategies you used? Obviously it's tough. It's not something you can do. You're only human. There's going to be dips and peaks and valleys and plateaus and such. But uh, how does reframing come up in, in living with a condition or working yourself through a condition as well? So one of the ways that I reframed my own story um, comes back to the arts. So one of, and there were two pieces of writing that really led me down this journey. So the first was, um, are you familiar with the book Man's Search for Meaning by oh, yeah. Viktor Frankl? Oh, so good. I love that book. Absolutely. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, he developed logotherapy, which is, you know, meaning oriented um, therapy. And he, for those listening that may not have read it, it's it's about um, a psychologist who was in a concentration camp during the Holocaust. And he observed and took kind of detailed notes in his head about you know, who, who survived and who didn't and how people, how different people reacted to that extreme situation and then how it felt returning home and having, having to figure out like that returning home journey. And that was really the first time I, I read it after I was like during that time when I was, I was really depressed after treatment. Mm. And I, it was the first time I really heard that articulated. It's like, again, like the, and, and I, I want to be very careful here because I don't want to compare like cancer to the Holocaust or one, one thing to another, but there was something about how we are here, how we articulated it. Cause like, it wasn't this joyful day of, okay, now we're, we're free and now we're going home. Like they had to deal with like all of the loss of their lives that happened um, during that period of loved ones, of, of their livelihood, of their dreams, of all those things. And they had to figure out how to reintegrate with, with society. Um, and he talked about, again, meaning in that process as well of, of people who kind of came through that and found meaning and purpose um, beyond their, their experience. The other, the other piece where I really felt connected about, um, about that piece of the journey was, um, Tolkien and Lord of the Rings. Um, and I love Tolkien cause he, he was a, he was a combat veteran yeah. and I have lots of military men in my family. My, mm. my brother's a combat vet and my other brother, I mean, they're just military all around. <laughs> anyway, there's a lot of parallels as well there, like any type of extreme ordeal, um, that, that process anyway so in, in lord of the rings when the hobbits come home when they've destroyed the ring and they come home and there's all this like cognitive dissonance like there's all this like it's complicated yeah. and so there there's this archetype in literature called the hero's journey which is probably very familiar for people now um but joseph campbell kind of pioneered a lot of that work about like there's this art these archetypal stories of transformation of the hero's journey. And a lot of people think of heroes and they think of like capes and, you know, Avengers yeah. and things like yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> but really, you know, we are, it's just a human story. We mm -hmm. are all going through um, in, in different parts of the hero's journey and different parts of transformation and different um, parts of facing giants in our lives and ordeals and finding allies along the way and all of that. 
you can look at stages of grief in a similar way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that process that are, I know this is like a long answer to this question. No, I'm sorry, it's great. It's but great. I'm getting there. Yeah. So uh, as you go through the ordeal and um, you, you get the prize, you beat cancer, whatever it is, and then you have to return home. And with that new knowledge or the elixir or the sword of truth or whatever that thing is that you had to go through the ordeal to get. Um, and you you have to bring that back to, to your, your world. And then that next part of the journey is that, that the meaning parts where you kind of re-enter that story as a, as a mentor, as where you come alongside other heroes that are going through similar ordeals and helping to equip them with what they need for the journey. So this is one of those ways where like the arts help us reframe our lives because I believe artists and creatives are, are prophets of our, of our times and they help us frame our experiences. And so that meaning piece. So as I came through my own ordeal and as I, as I walked through my own junk, <laughs> like <laughs> painfully deal with all of the stuff. I, you know, that's when I really felt this call, you know, for me, it was like, I felt a really strong call from God that, okay, now you need to go back in and you need to find people that are, are, are lost in, in this journey where they're, they're stuck and they don't know how to move forward and they're alone and they're, they're in the dark and you need to go and bring some of the light that you found through your experience um, to them to help light their next step forward. Ah, So good. I'm glad you took a few seconds to, uh, because I was like, that gave me goosebumps. That whole answer. (laughs) Amazing. Seriously. So good. So good. Loved it. Loved it. Uh, You know, I have this question a little bit further on, but it's a perfect time to ask it now. So how important is connection and community in your line of work? Like it just seems so, it's almost like you can't do this without other people (laughs) to kind of interweave. And for, I I, I always like the phrase, like some of the best mentors are the people that are just a few steps ahead. So I'm just thinking while you were saying that whole story is like you, you came out the other side and you know, there's still some people in there stuck and you're going to go back Mm -hmm. in there and help them. So that's such a cool visual so how important is that? How important is connection and community in, in this whole thing? Oh, well, my two top core values are faith and connection. Cool. So connection is really important yeah, for me. It's up there. <laughs> it's a great word. I'm yeah. like, I was like, oh, he said the word. He said the magic <laughs> word. Um, and honestly, like that's really at the heart of all of it. Um, and the part of the power of the arts is it helps us connect more authentically and more deeply with ourselves, mm. um, more deeply and authentically with our community and more deeply and authentically with our God or creator or, you know, whatever your, um, how you frame your spirituality. It's this kind of holistic communal whole person, holistic thing that we engage in. Um, and so connection is, is the point <laughs> that's, that is the point, you know, whenever we talk, whenever we talk with new artists coming on, um, the goal isn't to make amazing, beautiful art. Mm. The, the goal is to share a human experience with another human and hold space for them and connect with them through this medium of the arts, which is, I love this medium of the arts to connect because it can happen and we can form pretty profound, strong connections in a very short amount of time because mm. it just like cuts yeah. through. Wait, can I, can I cuss on the show? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it cuts, cuts through the bullshit. Yeah. It cuts through people's armor that so often they're walking yes. around with. Yes. And, you know, this analogy I, I use, you know, when we're going through hard things, we put up, we often put up walls in armor, right? Sure. But music has this power to flow through and around the cracks in our armor mm. and caress the person behind it and make them feel, start to make them feel safe enough to let down their armor so that they can connect more freely with, with people and their community and their environment. So connection is at the core of all of it. And I, it's such an important topic right now because everyone's been so disconnected for the last two years. And what we know about people when they're disconnected, like 
when my 15 month old is feeling disconnected, he's going to act out and yeah. be angry and upset right. <laughs> until, right. until we like, you know, we get down and we can reconnect and address root needs and all those things. And so we're just all here. We are yelling at each other because we all feel disconnected from each other and we need the arts m- now, like, more than ever mm. <laughs> or like that it's important times like this not more than ever like because there's important times like this throughout history um where coming together around the arts around making music together going to concerts together dancing together um listening to to poets and um and artists that are trying to articulate these times and having conversation, like honest conversations around that, like really sharing authentically about how we're feeling instead of just yelling at each other. Um, so the yeah. arts are a really powerful way to facilitate that. Absolutely. I'm kind of curious to see how everything's going to come to come, come to be after this, because there, I know there's a lot of <laughs> artists or people that are just kind of starting up. There's a lot of people that took up, you know, outdoor hiking, camping, uh, you know, different things to kind of find out a way to, you know, expend their energy and such instead of just yelling at each other. Uh, yeah. Right. And then I think there's a lot of people, bands like this started up uh, or, or people that started uh, picking up musical instruments. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, two to five years from now, how much art actually does come out of the, you know, the COVID era, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right. People that are kind of sitting on it or currently working on it right now. And then just to see, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting, I don't know how you feel about it, but I'm expecting this huge, like, it, like absurd renaissance of like, yeah renaissance oh, wouldn't that be yes nice, right? of all these different new create and then finally you know these people have like to your point there's going to be this like you know a lot more of a connection and different like little sub communities of people that had been working kind of behind closed doors uh, quite literally like during the the whole covid shutdown and everything and then when things do open up I'm hoping, fingers crossed, they really open up and all this like flood of new mm-hmm. art and, you know, like, connection and such comes out of it. I really hope that that is the case. But uh, I hope so, too. And yeah. I think it's starting to happen already. And I think my my only point of um, hesitation or caution, maybe like so. So it's like TikTok is obviously huge right now and there's right. so much amazing creative stuff happening on TikTok. There, there actually is. Like, yeah, you're right. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. But I think one way that that our creativity can get twisted is when it starts to become um, ego-based again. Completely. When it starts to be, okay, I have to create in order to get yeah. the likes and get the, get the thing instead of it just being for that authentic creation and connection. Once it starts coming out of that realm, it really um, can get ugly and can destroy us and get twisted completely agree absolutely when you're doing it for external reasons as opposed to yeah like you know okay this got a reaction for this but you know i think at the end of the day a lot of artists like that are kind of the flash in the pans like the one hit wonders will be the ones that are writing for an audience in mind as opposed Mm -hmm. to people that are writing for themselves and then as a byproduct they're getting people to like them almost if that makes sense yeah but but I, I agree with you though, especially when you get into like some social media, uh, you know, like TikTok and all that. I, I'm always kind of dismissive of TikTok. My my wife's into it, and every now and then I'll kind of, you know, or she'll show me one of those really creative ones. Like, wow, that is actually yeah. like oh, that must have taken a long time for that 30 second video, and very creative, right? But by the same tokens, to your point, there's a lot of, um, you know, searching for likes and, and approval that way. So uh, yes, sure. it is kind of a fine line, isn't it? Yeah, brilliant. Uh, speaking of um, things online, let's talk about your your podcast you have going on here. So this sure. is uh, arts this- <laughs> arts for the health of it. Is that the right name? Arts for the health of it. Yes. So this was one of our creative things that came out of the pandemic. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, cause you're at about 30 episodes now. So you're season one. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. So if you yep. want, if it's weekly, yeah, go about 30, uh, 30 weeks back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Totally. Yep. And it looks like you have a, a co-host. Is it Richard Wilmore? Is that the name? Yes. Correct? Okay. Richard Wilmore. He's awesome. So yeah. We have us. a great time together. Oh, great. Yeah. Okay. So you guys are both like, you're on all show, like co-hosts essentially. Like give us a yep. little background on uh, arts for the health of it, the podcast. Yeah. So we, so it's a, it's, it, this is something that's of interest to people and they kind of want to, again, like dive down that rabbit hole and learn more about it and learn ways that we can use the arts to improve our health and well being. Um, then Arts for the Health of It is a great podcast for that because we talk to researchers and doctors and artists and also just kind of regular people that have used the arts to, 
get through a serious illness or um, a hard time in their lives where they used it to heal themselves in some way. And so there's a lot of really inspiring stories and also practical tools that people can learn. And our motivation for one of our motivations for starting the podcast is we real one of our, our visions is that arts and health is integrated into the health into healthcare, that everyone has access to it. It shouldn't just be like for privileged few, you know. And we we realize that one of the things that needs to happen is we need to continue to elevate stories and information that's coming out of this amazing field. Mm. Um, and we felt one of the ways that we could contribute to that was through a podcast because Richard's been um, a talk show host. He's had his oh, own talk show for cool. several years and I am a total nerd and love speaking and talking about this topic. <laughs> so we make a really good team. Yeah. <laughs> um, and oh, I just get to talk to some of my some of my heroes and there's just some really good content um, on this topic if people want to search it out. It's on all the platforms. It's on, you know, Spotify and Apple Play and all the things. Brilliant. I'll make sure to link it in the show notes as well. Just some of the uh, the topics, like obviously music and dementia, uh, music and mental health, of course, arts uh, and pediatric cancer. Uh, so yeah, super cool. Exactly what you're, you're kind of connecting the dots between like a recovery or just, uh, a, you know, getting through a condition with while using art, which is a lot of obviously the topics we're talking about today. So sounds fantastic. I'm definitely going to be subscribing and listening to it. I have high hopes for Richard Wilmore. If you're saying he's a talk show host, he had a very uh, kind of a loud looking shirt and everything. I'm like, oh, this guy looks pretty uh, charismatic <laughs> here. I'm, I'm interested to see. And then you by your eyes. <laughs> calling yourself a nerd that was funny i was right as i was uh, having a sip of tea there i almost spat it out that was funny uh, <laughs> thanks uh, <laughs> i was the kid that wanted i wanted to i helped start the physics club in high school <laughs> okay okay your story wanted, checks out then yeah <laughs> so, i didn't go the D, &D route right, i went like right. science into route, science so. and yeah yeah so <laughs> But that's cool. I mean, this is like, you know, what you're, you're, you've connected all the dots from everything that yep. interested you as a kid and you're, and you're still doing them today. You did mm -hmm. not let music and the arts go by the wayside. You, you, it went neck and neck with everything else you were doing. And so super cool, super cool story. Yep. So also I love the website. So, uh, heartsneedart.org. Uh, I liked how there, you had a little free, uh, giveaway is like a download of like a coloring book, like a five page coloring book. Super cool. Yep. So we'll have that in the show notes as well. Just some great stuff. It looks like a great resource, uh, the website itself as well. There's some really cool um, like statistics that were coming up. So I was kind of browsing around there and it was mentioning, uh, you know, just different things such as social connectivity, mood changes for the better, improved focus, all in the high 90s as far as the different people that you were, I'm assuming that you guys were working with. And mm -hmm. uh, you guys are also run some virtual art classes on there. What can you tell us about uh, some of those? How how long have you been doing it? How many people are on these uh, these classes? And and what can you tell us about those? Sure. Yes, yeah, so this is another like little gift to the pandemic because we weren't able to be in the hospital in person with our with our patients for about mm. fourteen months. Right. Which really sucked. I'll just tell you that. Yeah. But we built um we built a whole virtual platform. And so now we're able to provide a continuum of care that we couldn't provide before. Patient can meet us in person and then continue to work with the artist once they go home and then jump back right back in during their next next admission. Um, but and now anyone in the country can make appointments directly with one of our artists, musicians or writers and work with them through Zoom. And so cool. you can do this with um with you can put like a little group together and like um, uh, we can add other people to the call. But then also if there's people that uh, we've had people reach out to us that run support different types of support groups uh, and you can request an artist for your support group um, and to do some sort of ac arts activity with your support group. And this is, that's been a really cool partnership with, we've had a lot of um, social workers that we've partnered with because they've struggled, support groups have struggled with, um, uh, attendance, like, cause mm. people kind of get bored with the virtual space after a while. Sure. But so, so adding new, new activities that are still therapeutic, but also, um, fun and enjoyable, um, has been a, a, a great way to help people stay connected, um, during the virtual 
<laughs> last couple of years we've had. No kidding. And those types of things, like you're saying, you, you, you look for positives in, you know, coming out of the pandemic, uh, you know, as many sort of negatives there's been, there's also been positives because, mm -hmm. you know, that, that might be something that would have been, you know, a two or five year plan for you guys to get into like the virtual Zoom meetings. But now you by you know, happens, we made it happen. You, right. We made it happen in two weeks. In two weeks. There you go. So, <laughs> so you're under the gun to, you know, figure out something like an alternative uh -huh. and here it is. And now it's going to be something that's going to benefit you guys moving forward for the rest of the time that you're doing this certainly right yep. so super cool so yeah thanks for touching on that uh okay so for as far as you and like some public speaking uh i know you have your actual personal website as well which is just yourname.com i believe correct mm -hmm. yeah so that's where people can reach out to you if you want to do any uh you know speaking engagements and such so what have you been uh, doing as far as like uh, have you had many in the last while or is that kind of uh, <laughs> waiting for things to reopen and when you're going and speaking are you basically kind of speaking on the thing the subject that we're talking about today uh, how does that look for you as well when you're when you're doing the uh, public speaking engagements yeah that's a good question um so i've been on a lot of podcasts recently because cool. podcasts are generally recorded virtually like this which <laughs> makes you know this makes it very easy yes. um so a lot of speaking engagements through that. Um, I'm a guest lecturer at, a, at um, a medical school here in town and that was virtual this year. Usually it's in person. Um, I'm guest lecturing for another healthcare um, organization. Anyway, it's mostly around arts and health cool. um, and also um, kind of uh, riffs off of that as well and off of my experience. So um, my experience with kind of transforming my story and helping inspire other people to transform their stories into positive action in the world. Cool. Um, and then also helping people reclaim their creativity. <laughs> um, and so lots of intersections of that. And I've spoken to with different audiences and I love talking with new audiences and um, learning different ways to connect with new audiences and how to, to see how this topic is relevant to to all of us and um we can all take something away whether it's a business audience you know creativity is becoming way more important now in the in the the digital automated age like we have to have creatives in order to keep up with how quickly everything is changing anyway that's a whole other rabbit trail sure. uh, but yes you can reach out <laughs> through my website there's a contact form cool. um you can or you can you can also contact me through the heartsneedart.org website as well. I get most of those messages as well. But yeah, you can go to our website. And when you um, sign up to subscribe to our newsletter, which we don't just fan you with crap, like we just let you know, like when there's resources that you can use and stuff like that. Cool. Um, but then you can get it, you get a free download of um, some coloring pages. So you can go Love to our it. website and do that. So cool. So cool. <laughs> All right. And a couple of, yeah, as we're winding down, just a couple of fun questions, but I do want to get into, you did mention uh, enjoying nature hikes with your husband and dog. By the way, what breed of dog do you have? She's a she's a rescue, so she's oh, cool. a mix. Mix. She's a not San quite Antonio sure. special. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. <laughs> um, so cool. Yes, and uh, yes, and we've added our son um, JJ right. to that mix as well. Okay, he's a cool. month old. JJ. Okay. Um, and but yeah, we love nature and we love just like we have to get outside. So, you know, I go on walks every morning with, with my, my baby and my, um, my dog. And then, yeah, we, we, there's some green spaces, um, beautiful green spaces in San Antonio that we, we go and hike and enjoy the outdoors. Brilliant. I mean, I, I there's a lot of, uh, you know, research and literature about the benefits of going out and just doing like a tech free mm -hmm. nature walk as well. So I get the impression that, yeah. you know, obviously some of the folks, um, you know, aren't, aren't in the situation that they can when they are in the hospital and so forth. But when they get back out. I mean, what can you say about, uh, you know, just the, being out in nature, what it does to you as far as, you know, during helping with recovery and such as well? Is that one of your tippy top uh, suggestions as well as getting out into nature? Well, there's lots of data about that as well. And healing gardens are actually mm. um, a subset of arts and health oh, where okay. where there's design, healthcare design that is where like when they're designing new spaces, like figuring out ways to incorporate um healing gardens into healthcare spaces because um, nature is so important. And so even when we're in the hospital doing like bedside art with patients, um, one of the things we're off, we often do with them is we paint their, help them paint their windows mm. um, with some, with a personalized image. And they very often pick something related to an out, 
some sort of outside related yeah. image okay. um, where it's like their favorite fishing spot or cool. their favorite flower or something. So there's like this, this um, instinct as well in people of like, Hey, I really want to be surrounded by, by nature. Cool. So there's definitely, again, a, a big connection point with us just as humans and, and still with yeah natural areas and, and gardens and such. Cool. I definitely wanted to mention that too. I, I picked that up on when you said uh, nature, nature uh, hikes. I'm like, okay, we definitely have to talk about that. as well. <laughs> so what is your long game for uh, hearts need art where you're seeing it in five to 10 years, or are you not necessarily the person to look that far ahead? You're just kind of staying present. <laughs> Do you have big grandiose plans that you can share or is it kind of, okay, well, we'll see where it goes. <laughs> Oh, that's a, that's a great question. You know, we, we, before the pandemic, we did, um, quite a bit of like long-term forecasting and stuff Mm. and kind of where we wanted to do envisioning. Like, obviously I have that, like the North star for the field for total, like we want everyone to have access to arts and health. Um, and my question is always, what is our role to play that we can uniquely do in our community, mm. in our sphere of influence, mm. and that changes. Sure. So, you know, especially this last year, that changed a lot. And so we're constantly asking ourselves that question and, and staying flexible. Um, but just to give you an, an idea, like there's 5,396 acute care hospital beds in our county. Okay. And that we estimate that they're about maybe 300 that have access to the arts. Wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's a lot. That's Huge, a lot. Uh, just, yeah. just here. <laughs> right. Okay. I see what you mean. I see where you're going with it. Yeah, sure. Sure. So, so we're just, working on kind of meeting that need here locally and right. then being a resource as we can to other, other people. Um, but we do foresee that there's going to be an explosion in arts and health as a field. And so we want to make sure that we're, developing and able to provide resources for other people to do this work. Mm, brilliant. Excellent. Uh, okay. Well, you're obviously a big music fan. What are you listening to these days? I always ask this because you have <laughs> another podcast. It's like a music podcast. So I always like to get a little tidbits off of my guests from this podcast. So if we were to open your phone up right now and look at your Spotify playlist, what would be on there? Um, okay. So <laughs> um, hold on. I'm just like, yeah. 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 On. So I was on a podcast recently with um, an artist in Ghana mm. and I was like, I need to listen to Ghana, Ghana music from Ghana. Like right. what he recommends. Yeah. And he had all these amazing recommendations and it has been like life. It's been so amazing. Really? Um, okay. cool. Yeah. Cool. So like Sarkodi, um, God, he, he's probably my, on my playlist right now if you actually like pulls up and my <laughs> my son he like loves good beats and oh, so okay, okay. he's like all about it so cool. we're dancing in the in the in the um kitchen cool. listen listening to, yeah, <laughs> to yeah. that I, I have a very eclectic taste in music yeah, i yeah. listen to little bits of everything and I'm, I'm a fan of good music sure and i think every genre has has aspects of that and would you say some more like instrumental these days or a little bit of, again a little bit of everything whether it can be a little bit of everything yeah, i love gotcha. singer i love singer songwriter musicals yeah. um classical music um country pop music r&b like i don't know i, I like be, it all if i'm gonna put you on the spot just to kind of pin you down a little bit who would be like oh, your boy. like mount rushmore or like the top three performers of all time as far as like okay if i if you had to listen to just three people the rest of your life you're on a deserted island one of those questions influences from when you were a kid who got you into singing just maybe parents listened and you just have a sentimental can it be be a composer of course or does it need to okay no composers too um well mozart's requiem is probably one of my favorite pieces of music like period yes that was that was one of those that you talked about music um, helping to connect us where mm. like we feel less alone because we can hear someone else that's gone through something similar. Right. Um, and Mozart's Wack, Wack, Requiem got me through some really tough times when I just oh. needed to cry and yeah, yeah. <laughs> like go into that hole yes. um, and come out. So Mozart's Requiem is one. Um, oh my gosh, so much. I'm a musical theater nerd as cool, well. Cool. Yeah. Um, gosh, my two favorite musicals are um, Light in the Piazza, 
um, by Adam Gettle and Hamilton, <laughs> which I know is like maybe cliche right now, but anyway, so that's the other category is musical theater. Um, and then what would be my last one? This is like so hard for me because that's funny. This is like this, the, the one that the stumped you. I'm like, <laughs> um, I love Callie Day. She's this amazing gospel singer. And oh my gosh, she's classically trained, but she also sings like the most like bone chilling gospel music. And it mm. just feeds my soul. And I could just listen to her all day. It's beautiful. Brilliant. Love it. Love it. And just to wrap it up here, where can we find you online? We've kind of mentioned all the websites, but we'll give you an opportunity just to sort of uh, list them all off in sequence here, however you want to do it. And where can we find you, Miss Constanza Roder? Sure. So you can follow us at Hearts Need Art. So at Hearts Need Art, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, Facebook, um, all the things. And you can also follow Arts for the Health of It, the podcast. And we're also on Facebook and Instagram. You can follow me at Constanza Roter. Um, I'm sure Matt will put it in the show notes how to spell it, but I'm on all the things as well. I also have a TikTok where I share um, different ways that the arts impact our health and well-being. So you can follow me there too. And um, I do like little short, little short videos about, about arts and health. So. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on today. Like we just such a great conversation. I love it. I love what you're doing. Uh, Thanks for, you know, choosing my podcast to come on because I, yeah, this stuff is definitely special for me uh, as well, just being an artist myself and just to hear you uh, be able to verbalize it. And you're actually doing something with it that's so special and so uh, you know noble and everything. So thanks for all that you do. And thanks again for being a guest. I'd love to have you back on and we could get a little more granular with some of this, uh, some of these topics now that we've kind of got an over overview of everything. So yeah, you could, like I said, you can go down, go down the rabbit hole on any oh, one of these time. topics. Absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah, there's probably about seven or eight different episodes we could do on, yep. <laughs> on different uh, answers that you gave. Right. So, um, but yeah, no, thank I th- can't thank you enough again and best of luck with everything that you're doing as well. Thank you so much, Matt. It's been a great time. <laughs>